1: That is a Restaurant Row in Rochester, New York. Oh, let me turn this music down. Hold on. That was Restaurant Row in Rochester, New York. If you were lucky enough to eat there over the weekend, then you had your tables overturned and uh, maybe purses uh, stolen and uh, chairs thrown through the plate glass window as Antifa destroyed everybody's dining experience. They're doing through many, many cities. And um, so that's where we are here. It's more chaos happening. You've probably heard that Donald Trump got into some hot water with an Atlantic article. And um, there's some interesting stuff to talk about. There was a, a piece in the Washington, was it the post or the, or the New York Times, um, about uh, these scenarios, if if Joe Biden wins or loses and Trump wins or loses, what will happen? And essentially the the the, the answer that they come to is that Biden has to win uh, big. He has to trounce Trump, and then we'll have peace. But if he doesn't, there's going to be complete anarchy in the streets, even more than there is now. And uh, when I think about anarchy, I think about uh, my friend from the tough streets of Somerville, Massachusetts, John Sappacetti. He is a columnist. He writes, you'll find his work in The Little Song, among other places, co-host of the Get Off My Lawn podcast with Keegan and Sapp. You can find him at, uh, check him out at Full Press Radio, Full Press fullpresscoverage.com. Follow him on Twitter at... John Sap 25 at John Sap 25.
2: Sap, how the hell are you? Good, Mr. Shattuck. How are you? We're uh, segueing into fall, and now we've got uh, less than two months before this election. It is going to be interesting. We thought the 2016 was the most interesting election of our lifetime. Well, I think the next eight weeks is going to be um, even more interesting, as you detailed in your opening. Isn't it going to be? <laughs> <laughs> the problem is that nobody in.
1: And you're a good liberal happen But my feeling is, is people didn't take – you dealt with the defeat. It was a horrific right. defeat. I think for Sox fans, it probably felt like the 2003 ALCS that was just horrific. It was traumatic. It was a horrible. If you were a Democrat – and I don't know that you were all in on Hillary, but you certainly voted for her. Or, or no, maybe you didn't. You but you no. Were on... I
2: wrote in. I wrote in John Huntsman again in, in Massachusetts. Okay, so m- maybe but that's... I wasn't devastated by it because doing talk radio, Shattuck at the time, you know, morning drive. Nothing's more entertaining than having Donald Trump as president. I mean, it's been four crazy years actually five if you want to throw in the campaign from 2016 he's entertaining he's the gift that keeps on giving so that part of it I understood and I didn't think the world was going to end because he came became president I I was never that uh that insane like a lot of people a lot of friends of mine to the far 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 left and actually a lot of friends who were conservatives you know had the same feelings that uh, the world was going to end if Trump was president so I I didn't have that type of (laughs) Uh, reaction.
1: Yeah, and you're right about that with conservatives that yep. you know I was reading even um um what's his name? Bill Crystal um uh, mm-hmm. who used to be of the weekly standard. It was always a never trump or hated him or whatever. And today he tweeted out uh, this tweet that that was referencing a member of Trump's campaign. He said, "Look at this punk." Bill Crystal used to never just call people punk he used to be an eloquent speaker and a deep thinker and he's just lost it he's just he's obsessed he's just he's lost his mind since the election and can't contain himself anymore and there are a bunch of people on on the right who've who've done that and a bunch of people on the left and people who you and i worked with remember right after the election had suddenly a a switch was flipped click, and they were no longer cogent (laughs) i mean and i don't get it i don't I don't get it because, like, my guy always lost in Massachusetts. Generally, my people would lose, you Mm -hmm. know, and for president about half the time until, you know, Clinton won the first time. He was not my guy. Clinton won the second time, not my guy. Bush won the third time in a runoff. I was like, finally, I get to celebrate. Oh, no, we're we're putting this thing on hold for a few (laughs) weeks. But it's like, why? Why does this bother people so much? Why does it? If you hang out with liberals. You hang out with conservatives too. But why does this Trump presidency get in the head of people
2: so much? And since 2016, I, I think what's happened, Shattuck, is is people have just gone deeper into their corners. So if you are a Trump supporter, you defend him more so than you did four years ago. It, it's it's more about the fight than the. Subject that we're talking about, right? It, it's not—it's not, it's not policy-driven. We're, we're not going to sit here and have uh, a debate on policy because some of his policies, quite frankly, are pretty moderate, and some are even to the left, right? I mean, he mm-hmm. doesn't want to go into all of these nations and, and increase wars. Uh, He—he's, you know, pro-American in terms of trade, which is it was something that Bernie Sanders agreed on. I, I remember I wrote a column almost five years ago now that that said Bernie Sanders and, and Donald Trump are more alike than people realized. You know, one being, you know, far left, the other one being a populist. So there were some things that, that were part of his platform, if you want to call it that, that uh, the left would agree with. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, <clears throat> crime reform. I think he's done a pretty good job with that. So it, it it's not policy. It's just it's about temperament, personality, uh, just the way he conducts himself, that people are just turned on by it or turned off by it. You know, and at this point, it, it, that's all it's become. It's got nothing to do with politics. It's got totally... Um, it's totally about how people feel about the person, not necessarily about the policy.
1: So what happened? Okay, let's say Joe Biden wins by 10 points. Do all these people now who have been obsessing, and I find it more that I have more good friends who are big liberals, big progressives, who text me during the day watching Trump's speech than I do conservatives. Like I have good friends who I used to work with in radio and a guy I work with right now who... they're Trump haters and, but they watch everything he does and says in the, they send me messages like, this is the ravings of a madman. What is this? What is it? I'm like, I'm not watching it. And I voted for the guy. Why don't, why are you doing it to yourselves? Like, just don't watch.
2: Yeah. I mean, it has the feel of wrestling, doesn't it? Like he's the villain. So if, if you're opposed to him, you just will never quite admit that the guy won the election or, uh, that he's a real president that, uh, you know, his his temperament is a turnoff to some people. Mm-hmm. There's no question about that. But it's also a turn on for others. Here I am. I'm a construction guy. I'm a little rough around the edges, but uh, I'm going to try to get things done. And that connected with, you know, a lot of blue collar workers, um, again, middle aged, older, white people, uh, especially in the suburbs. They they kind of fell in love with the guy. It, yeah. It's kind of got Say a that weird feel to it. You, when it's when almost you're... like a cult. But then you also have on the other side people that are like just horrified, you know, by, by him, which I don't find him to be as much a turnoff as a lot of other people do. I think he's comical. I also yeah. grew up with a lot of people like him. I have yes. a brother who was just like him and I love my brother. Um, but you know, I, I, I think with him, don't take what he says literally, but take it seriously. Right. Right. And, and that's even with his tweets, he does this all the time where he throws a haymaker and then he walks it back and then he jabs and, and the you know the end result isn't quite as bad as people think it, it was intended to be.
1: and I, and I also think that you know I understand that, 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 that your side, Sap, and you do you don't have to agree with me, that your side tends to consider Republicans as evil. Right. Some on your side. Whereas my side considers Democrats misguided socialists and we we look at Rob Reiner and say yeah you know he's a misguided socialist but not really evil but but the democrats like we look at like al gore as a boob not evil right. you know we look at clinton like a smarmy you, you know uh you know weasel but not
2: the devil you know and well i i think that that did exist in the 90s i think it did exist too with hillary clinton more than bill mm, yeah. i mean the conservatives were, you know, looking at Hillary Clinton as as a she devil, uh, you know, as, as early as while she was first lady. Um, so I think that she wasn't as likable as Bill Clinton. You know, I've told you before that I was born in 1963, so technically, uh, the first president of my lifetime was JFK. And I think of the ten presidents that have been in office since I've been alive, that Bill Clinton is the most effective president. Right? We had a balanced budget. We weren't at war. The economy was good. Those are like the three big things you look at for a president to accomplish. And he did that. Um, but I know a lot of people just despise the Clintons for whatever right. reason. And and so they always push back against them, I and mean, there was a lot of pushback against Obama. We, we can agree on that. Yeah, but I, uh, I never thought he right. was evil
1: in that. In one of, okay. First, I don't agree with the whole well, administration. Of but since you're since you're nice people, enough to come on in a didn't set didn't Sunday, I'm not going to. Yeah, I mean, there but, was, but but with Obama, and first of all, I don't, I never thought that the, the the Bertha thing, which started with Hillary, by the way, but I never thought the Bertha thing was racist.
2: Someone in her campaign, not not through Sid Hillary, right.
1: Right, but but I never thought it was. Well, well, first of all, it, it's it's good politics. If you have that information, what? it would have been wise for somebody in her campaign to be running that around. You do it against Ted Cruz, you do it against John McCain, you do it against anybody. Right. And if there's a colonel there, then maybe you'll peel off some people from the fringe. I never thought it was racist. I mean, I'm sure racists love it, loved it, but I never thought it was yeah. racist. I always thought it was odd. That like I always thought like why wouldn't he just show people the birth certificate and shut shut them up and then people on the left and others told me well because then they'll demand he do that for everything and I thought well I guess that kind of makes sense, right? But um, but I but I I just didn't feel I don't think that people thought that that Obama was an evil bastard. I think that uh, no no
2: I, well but again there was pushback with Michelle Obama. I mean we yes. got Howie Carr calling him Michelle and right. everyone throwing as much hate as possible. And I've always kind of left the first ladies out of it. I mm. I don't find any joy in attacking any of the first ladies, whether it's Melania Trump or, you know, uh, anyone else, Barbara Bush to, uh, to Nancy Reagan on the right. And obviously, you know, uh, Michelle Obama and Hillary Clinton on the left. I, I just don't find the need for that. It's not their choice that they're in the white house. I, I think Melania Trump would have preferred to have a private life, not being in the white house for the last four years. So I I'd leave that alone. But again, talk radio is is um, entertaining in a sense that you have to you know fire all bullets. You know, being down the middle or or trying to be sensible doesn't really help the ratings all that much. You've got to be somewhat you know unhinged, right, to be on yeah on, uh, talk radio. We, we're both. Uh, well, yeah, a, although I that, don't
1: think I don't think that the 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 Michelle stuff, which I would never say, I think it's stupid. Although I used to say disparaging things as kind of a wise. As uh, second chair in radio, um, right. along those lines about her just to incite people. And then, and then, and then this was a, the show is fairly, fairly popular. So then I had people around my neighborhood coming, driving by and in repeating the insult about Michelle. And I was right. like, uh,
2: maybe, uh, oh, this has gone a little too far just to try. She and- just turned off that she was not a fan of Kraft mac and cheese. That, that's oh, yeah. Oh, well, I thought that was
1: – well, yes. And she actually – she had the thing that a lot of – and I and I accused her of this with that. She disparaged crap, macaroni and cheese. And I think macaroni and cheese is wonderful and it does a lot and it's it's good. It's, it's, it's very cheap. And so my feeling in that column a couple of years ago was it was such an elitist thing to say because her like private chef or whatever didn't like it. That said, that's usually the hit on First Ladies is that Nancy Reagan with the China – And, uh, you know, Michelle was effete and elitist. And I wrote about that stuff too.
2: And, um, and, uh, you get the feeling that Melania Trump is the most elitist of all first ladies. I mean, she, she lives in a, you know, 50,000 square foot, three-story penthouse in Manhattan with, um, you know, more gold in it than the Vatican. (laughs) I mean, I would think that she fits into that category. I would think so too. too. Yeah. I mean, if, (laughs) yeah, if
1: if I'm going to throw stones, then I would have to say, you'd have to say yes, because I mean, she's. She's the very brand of elite up Manhattan right. set, yeah. you know. No, 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 absolutely. I think she's a perfectly nice person. And
2: yes, and yeah. I uh, have no problem with her. And again, any of the people on the left that attack Baron, who's what 12 or 13 yeah. years old, that's sick. That's absolutely sick, and, and I felt that way with, uh, you know, President Obama's daughters when they were attacked by people. Like, leave the kids out of it. Yeah. You know, if they're, they're older. I mean, obviously Trump has older kids that are involved in the administration, so they're fair game, <laughs> but not Barron; He's 12 or 13 years old. He's... He, you know, probably yeah. wandering around going, what the hell is going on here? I'm I'm just trying to find myself as a young a young guy. I do
1: not see – I must say that other than Twitter a-holes, I don't see all that many people actually attacking him, which is a good right.
2: thing. Let's um, hope not. But, yeah, yeah I mean, and with you know, the Obamas, not- you know,
1: I did – the conservatives did attack them for being bratty. But sure. as a dad th- – I love that now. I love how he was so stoic and kept a smile right. on while his daughters were being bratty because they hated going on the dumb trips in the dumb plane with him everywhere. And they were yeah, kids, yeah. and kids, of course, would hate that. My kids are jerks when we're ten miles out when we're going, driving to Vermont. Right. How much longer is it to take? How can you put a DVR in? They have DVR. It's like yep. I think that was humanizing for Obama, and I think that his his general way he carried himself and the general way that family uh, behaved was immaculate and. Oh,
2: without question. Yeah. Okay. I mean, he, he really was no drama Obama, right? And then no, he had well, his mother living but, but, with but him. And yes. in terms of, of, yes. of, of, you know, like personal.
1: Yes. Things. And he I do
2: his think living with him, who, who got along great with him and, yeah. you know, would help raise the kids. So it was a, it was a nice family. And, and, and Michelle Obama's family to me is, is a modern success story. I mean, her dad, um, worked for the Chicago water department and I believe Dealt with uh, cerebral palsy for years, if I'm not mistaken, mm. or a real debilitating um, chronic ailment and needed to get up like three hours before work started to get ready. I mean, because, you know, because of the ailments, um, you know, it took him longer to get ready for work and he never missed a day. And And she became a success and her brother became uh, a pretty accomplished basketball coach. So that that's a really nice story. And you like to hear that.
1: Yeah, what was my problem with her? I forgot if there was
2: another one. The Kraft mac and cheese. Kraft yeah. mac that's and where, cheese. That's where you draw she the said line. the first time she was well, really proud the thing, of the though, country. Is, now, don't you like the real mac and cheese that isn't that expensive to make, Shattuck? You can buy Muller's Elbow Pasta, which is not expensive. Mm-hmm get a couple of different types of cheese uh you know Italians use like six different types of cheese a little bit of milk whatever it's not an expensive dish to make and at least it's the real stuff it's not something out of a box the The problem i have with the box mac and cheese the pasta is so small it's almost impossible to put on a fork or a spoon or whatever it, it, it's very mushy as well that, that's my right. issue
1: well you don't drink sap so you know not th- anymore no the appeal of after about eight beers, the appeal of mac and cheese is it becomes a spoon a spoon thing and and it um, you know I was just listening to somebody who, uh, a podcast, Bridget Phetasy and and she's an alcoholic and she goes to meetings mm-hmm. and she's and, and it's interesting because you know obviously you quit drinking, you had a problem with alcohol as well, Yes, but you, you had a different problem, like I drink too much but I don't have episodes. Like I drink too often, and you know, like today I've had, I've well, I've been working outside, but I've had three beers. You know, and for a fat guy, you I know, mean, I could probably have you know five more if there are five what more. What kind of beer enough. do you drink, though? Well, right now because I'm thirsty, it's Miller Light, and it's what's okay. in there. My brother bought beer, so it's hanging around. You know, I usually right. would not bring beer, but so, it, but I should, but I definitely should drink less because if I drink less, one, I'd just be drinking less. It's empty calories. Two, it means I'd probably eat less. Because you know, when I drink, I usually I'm not doing drinking and eating. There's no real reason for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but I don't don't have it. And even in my twenties, even my in my wilder days, like b- b- listen to this woman today. She she was talking to another woman, and they both were. And I knew I grew up around. I I, I worked in in uh, line level jobs in my twenties, like you did, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'd all go to bars, and they were we were all bar flies. So to one degree or another, we were all drunks, but there were, there were drunks and then there were drunks and like the, the dudes would get multiple DUIs and, and always, you know, the shark eyes would come and, and you'd see that change and they get in fist fights and they'd lose their memory constantly. And, and they just, and you have to, they call you the next day and say, what happened?
2: Can you tell me? And they'd be very anxious, you know? They blacked out. That only Uh, happened to me at the end, like uh, the last 30 to 60 days before that, I was kind of a functional drunk. You know, I never missed a day's work. Right. I mean, I would go in a hangover. That was always uh, going to be the case, but the last 30 to 60 days is when I would start having blackouts and have friends say you were a real a-hole last night. And at that point I said, this is enough. I've got to stop. Yeah. But I, I think I know where you're going with this as far as the munchies afterwards. Yeah. Without question. I mean, because if I would go into Faneuil hall, I always used to have a couple of sausage sandwiches with peppers and onions, you know, on the cart outside. Oh, of yes. Hall. I can I smell, smell it now. Oh, so good. It's just an, enough grease with the sausage and the peppers and the onions. And of course, around four in the morning or five in the morning, you'd wake up and you'd, you know, the Italian uh, word agi, as the sausage oh, yeah. was stuck in the middle of your stomach trying to get out. But then you would always go either for Chinese food or Kelly's on, on right. uh, Revere Beach Parkway. I mean, on Revere Beach. Uh, and even if I was home drinking with the guys, it was always pizza and Chinese food being delivered. So <laughs> yeah, you do get hungry after. Yeah, you have, in my case, like thirty beers.
1: Right, and of course, if that's Sunday, then you know the first football game is at one p.m. So by noon, you're, oh, you're yeah. you, by noon that that uh, hangover has been scurried away by more oh, yeah, beers. We're
2: working on recovering exactly. Yes,
1: absolutely. Uh, so so the, so these this woman Bridget Fedasy and this other woman on our podcast were talking about, it, and, and this is my experience as well. Is that women generally who I I've, I've found anyway who who quit drinking in their twenties who know they've got a problem or early thirties, it's because they're blacking out and hooking up with random guys and they're, they they right. wake up in in totally strange places and they're horrified. Then their self esteem hits the rock bottom. If you're a guy who's twenty five and you and you hook up, you know your, you know maybe your friends might give you some crap if if you hooked up with somebody particularly uh, undesirable. I guess. But guys have don't have that. They don't really give a crap. No, they're, they're, they're dogs. But women. No, it's a
2: notch on the belt.
1: Yes, totally. But but, but women just feel devalued in it. Right. And it's also yeah. just very dangerous. So I don't know why I brought it up. I, but I was but I was thinking about it um, earlier because you. That's right. Because you stopped in your twenties and,
2: and this. I scenario. stopped at uh, 1992, so I was 29. I was 29 years old when I stopped. So uh, I've I've actually approaching half my life being completely sober because i'm 57 so, so hope to make it another 29 years that would get me to 87 i, I don't know if that's going to be the case you know you never know yeah. so, so and yeah
1: you, you, you don't uh, so you don't do anything you don't have any drug basically no, I, I
2: never i never smoked mm-hmm. I, I mean i'm i am i am appalled by cigarette smoke like i i can't really see well i have glaucoma so i deal with that um my taste is good but my smell is just incredible my ability to smell things, I, I, I feel like an aardvark. I mean, hmm. like, I can smell smoke from, like, 100 yards away. If someone's smoking down the street, <laughs> I can smell it, and I start to flip out. So I, I never liked cigarette smoking. I honestly can say this. I never did any drugs, never did marijuana, never did coke. And then I come from a generation that was pretty but, common to do those. Uh, but I never did. I, I just drank a ton, and uh, I like food. kid That's from my Somerville,
1: Massachusetts, grew up in the 80s. Never did coke. Yeah, I know. I was probably that one guy that yeah. didn't do it.
2: I was too drunk to do with those shots. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm, you know, when you're pounding down 26, 30 beers a night, yeah. you know that that would become very complicated and expensive.
1: Yeah, no, I understand it. I um, I do sometimes think about you know, it's, it's it, it, after a stressful day, it's nice to to cool down, rev down oh, sure. with a cocktail, you know. And I do think about sometimes like uh. You know, do I, should I switch that up for like marijuana or is there a third way just with nothing? But that seems horrible, but you don't have anything.
2: No, yeah, no, I, I, I just eat and uh, I've even cut out sweets because I, you know, I had some physical ailments that I've been dealing with uh, the last year. So I got to you know, keep an eye on that stuff. So I've, I've lost some weight trying to eat better. Yeah. healthier. So I, I eliminate most sweets now. So my, my snacks are like grapes, carrots. Things like that, instead of like Oh, you know.
1: carrots. God damn, sap, that's terrible. Oh, I love carrots. They're, they're really, really good. I
2: feel like a race horse with carrots and grapes. <laughs> and, you know, I'm oh, did you have school. the horse,
1: the Kentucky Derby horse? But I know no, you don't bet, no, sap. I know uh, you don't bet. You don't know anybody does, but if you did, you know, I don't
2: know anything about that. No, <laughs> no. And if I had the fourth place finisher, I did not wager on the race. Luckily, I saved myself twenty bucks. Um, but tis the law was the overwhelming favorite. And he's only lost two races now in his career. Both took place at Churchill Downs. Sometimes a horse just doesn't like a course, does not like the racetrack. And you could see in that race that he was all over the track. He never really got his footing. He finished second. Um, so it was kind of an upset. But uh, it was an interesting race with no fans in the stands, which take a lot away from uh, you know the pageantry of horse racing.
1: Yeah, you couldn't see a, a Tom Brady and Gronk all decked out. No. No, they usually
2: he usually have, have there, although – with the timing of it all, the NFL season starts uh, in a week, so the players wouldn't be able to go to partake in the Kentucky Derby. It's just weird having a Kentucky Derby the first Saturday in September. It's always the first Saturday in May, but hopefully we're trying to get back to normal as much as yeah. possible. Let's open up.
1: Let's start. time to open up, Sap. It's time to open up. Let's go now. It's time. Well, okay? I mean,
2: it's just so sad that all these restaurants are closing in Boston. I mean, landmark restaurants yes. have been there for
1: 40 years. The poorhouse, you know, the 40- Sap. The poorhouse. That was
2: important. The poorhouse. They served breakfast at the Port House, I think, for a time at least well, they did. I just wonder, I mean, it's so frustrating because some restaurants have been able to adapt. I just wonder if some of the restaurants, and I can't put bars in there because bars can't open, but if, you know, if you can bring food in, then you can open, whether it be 50% capacity with outdoor seating, all of those things, if they're just not adapting enough to, to what the times are now well they need to to, you know they need to do
1: covers sap they need to move people in and out there buying booze and they can't it that sucks i'm sorry i I get put this right in the governor i don't know i don't i don't care i i think that the main this monster came and hit us in mid-april and then it went away and now we can have spikes here and there but we know how to treat it now more than ever we're also closer to a vaccine and the same thing with new york it came and went and now these guys are treated like Charlie Baker and and Cuomo uh, are treated like they're gods. Meanwhile, like in Kentucky, the unemployment rate's at six percent because they didn't do a damn thing. And in Florida, even though a lot of people died, they didn't destroy their economy. We've screwed these businesses. And I'm I'm God. It makes me so angry that this had to happen. We're such wins
2: Isn't there a happy medium somewhere? I know this is not the, the right argument to make on a podcast. You know, I'm, I'm gonna, sure you, there you, is. You, well, I mean, I'm going to be and you're either going to fall on the side of like say you and Jerry Callahan who want to you know remove the governor as soon as possible or you're going to have the far left which is going to say we shouldn't leave our house uh, for the next six months and just uh, like i live at a hotel and then there's a restaurant inside the hotel and they've been able to do quite well it's not what it was before but they've also been in business for a while i i'm not going to blame the, the businesses for this but i am going to say if you've been in business for 40 plus years i would assume that you've built up enough of a reserve to get through this, and you have to work with landlords. And again, this falls on landlords um, as far as rent. You know, if you can't open, you can't pay rent. You have to work with landlords and say, okay, this has been a six-month shutdown, a nine-month shutdown. That rent that I can't pay right now, we're gonna have to put on the back of the lease. Well, I'm sure they are. I'm
1: sure they are, and there are some provisions in there. You know, we've got one for our mortgage here. You know, that right. allow you to do that. But again, and then that, but that goes uphill. You know, the landlord also has his expenses. Well, this and, is
2: where you have to help the landlords out, so that now right. the money they owe to banks again. It's a it's right, but a, we weren't supposed you know, to strangle
1: for this long. It was supposed to be a few weeks. You know, right. when it when it peaked, and in those few weeks, eight thousand died. And now, since then, we didn't know. We know. We finally we had enough gear and equipment back then to handle it. Even if there right. was a spike, you know that was the thing. As long as so that we could handle it. Remember, we didn't need these extra backup stadiums and things to use. Um, mm-hmm. So we didn't know, but we but we had enough stuff to handle it. But we did know that if we killed businesses, it would kill businesses, and we decided to do that no matter what. That we did have knowledge of. We know what happens when you don't let businesses open, and we killed them for no freaking good reason. It's for cowardice, and I think that sucks. But I don't want to.
2: Go there. I want to go to alternative though. If, if we went to back to normal, say mm-hmm. the first week of May and just said, okay, back to, you know. Right.
1: Well, by then oh. we had known that the positioning of patients and we had known that some therapeutics that work. By then, all of the people in the 8,000 already died by then. Since then, there's been less than a thousand who have died. So we know how to treat it a lot better. Right. And, and you and, know, and, a lot and, of people just aren't dying from it. You know, a lot of people just, it does, doesn't do a lot to them. So that, so we would have had a spike in cases and the more. We test. We have a spike in cases, but you know, a bunch of lifeguards in or young people on a booze cruise—they're not the problem here. You know, it, and, and the fact also that we're applauding huge protests in the streets at the same time—I mean, that's just
2: BS. No, I, I agree with you. You can't—you can't say you know that it's fair to protest and that that's not going to spike the cases. But meanwhile, you know, we can't have people on the other side protesting because that's only going to increase cases. And protests, this virus doesn't know the difference between the right or the left. Right. I mean, it's a virus, acts whoever. Uh, yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, to, to get any kind of protest without wearing masks, I mean, that that's a recipe for disaster. Um, I mean, I think whether the lo- protest is right-leaning or left-leaning, it doesn't matter.
1: Right. And I do think, I, I mean, I, I've gone on over that a thousand times. I do think that, that uh, there is some uh, politics is a huge part of it too. In this year, more than ever, and the fact that Trump is in there, and a lot of people are being performative and just showing, you know, look at me, look how I've had to change my life because of this president, and right. uh, a lot of states are doing the same things, and they continue to do it. But that brings us to President Trump, Sam.
2: And this before is... you go there, though, go ahead. you do it, you could have done a better job. Yes, and I think any president would have been stuck with this. And and it's a, a again, not to use a cliche, but you know, between a rock and a hard place. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you? You shut down things drastically and the economy suffers. He could have done a better job uh, so, at the beginning so, rather than trample on his own message sometimes, which he has a tendency well, of doing. That, I think so if that's a guy right. wore a mask occasionally, You know, in the early going, it may have had his supporters say, you know what, I'm going to wear a mask at the supermarket. Yeah, we don't know if a mask yeah.
1: saves saved anybody's life. We don't know that for sure. We don't know what the hell is going on.
2: I well, mean, what, masks- but the rate the rate among first responders is lower than any other group, and they wear masks. So yeah, I, but I they're all, that- they
1: also probably happen to be younger, not 85 and over,
2: and probably don't have com- comorbidities. Um, yeah, but-, but see, my problem with, the, with the, your side keeps talking about, you know, it's mostly old people that die. It is. Um, okay, which I guess is okay now with, with COVID, but when we had the Affordable Care Act, the beginning of the Affordable Care Act, all I heard about was death panels. And, and we couldn't possibly lose anybody because the government would, you know, ration health care. And that wasn't true then. Well, well I don't but get the parallel. That, what does that, that is, have I mean, to do with that, old people dying? But, then, no, but my point being is, is old folks' lives really mattered, you know, 10 years ago when, when we started to get into the Affordable Care Act because President Obama was going to start killing old people to ration medical care. That was, you know, horrific. But now uh, it's okay if old people die because of COVID. Who's saying it's
1: okay if old people die?
2: I don't think – I understand where you're trying to go, but I don't get it. Well, Howie we, how we Card. Tweets out every day about cases and ages yes. and it doesn't He's affect the He's not saying it's people. okay for old
1: people to die. It's terrible that old people died, but that's the front that this main battle was fought on, and we didn't have that front covered. I think it's terrible. I don't think you saying it's it No, no, good. that's
2: that's that I agree with you hundred percent. And that falls on more than just the president. That falls on governors. Yes, in, including Baker and Cuomo, who yes have been lauded for doing a good job and, and at times I think they have, but um, look, it's just a complete bleep show when you you look at this because you have 50 states doing things differently. And and I just, but they shouldn't, they do things
1: differently. I mean, we're different than Kentucky and
2: Kentucky didn't close. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. But then you've got border states. Now, if you want to go to Maine, you have to test and be negative two days before you go to Maine. Then when you come back, you got to do the same thing. And it's, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, um, a lot of tentacles there. I, it, it, it's something that there was never going to be a perfect answer to this. I just wish that at the beginning he took it a little more seriously and also, you know, wore the mask because is the mask going to do anything bad? I mean, we, you may not think it helps. I do think it helps. Um, but it, I think it's just a look that if he wears it, that, you know, he's one of us. That, that it's okay to wear it so that you don't have crazy people at the Revere Market Basket, you know, starting a fight because, <laughs> they don't want to mask because they have some sort of breathing problem. <laughs>
1: I don't have a problem with him not wearing the mask. You know, a lot of times presidents do that. They they act more brave and they're more stoic right. than, and than everyday Americans. Are. I don't think he likes wearing the mask. I think since the beginning, he was trying to signal to businesses that just stick with me. This is going to be brief. We'll get through this. And right. I was being optimistic. A lot of people hit him on, on, Republicans hit him for that too and say that, you know, he, he, should, have, he should have been more proactive in things. And I, I don't, I think who the, I mean, sorry, who the heck in March 5th like really thought the coronavirus would be anything. We've had so many other, you know, things that would affect everybody else but us. You assume that we can handle anything, you know, uh, which was wrong apparently. Um but uh, I mean, but who thought it? And so, you know, he shut the, he stopped the flights from China, you know, and only allowed nationals to come back home.
2: And but, they, he got backlash for that as well, which, you know, is a good thing he did that. Uh, right. Yeah, and, and they were they were calling him a racist was- and whatever. So by, right. where I, where I, so i
1: don't think step by step the things they did step by step t- from the federal government i mean they should have had all they should have been adequately stocked up on all stockpiles of equipment sure. the, but that stockpile has been has been neglected for decades now um since um katrina i think essentially but we never needed oh, it sure, cuz we're not yeah. getting a huge pandemic but that falls on trump in the end of the day he was a guy in the executive branch, and that yep. that stockpile is the executive. So that's technically, I, I blame Obama if it was him. If that falls on Trump, yep. but we did get all the stuff we needed when we needed. It eventually, you got ventilators and PPE and this mm-hmm. and that. Um, but what, where I think his failure was, so I don't I don't fault him for the failure or the or the the deaths exactly. And most of those in state levels are state policy, like the Cuomo right. thing. Um, but I think that his communication during it was a, an F and terrible.
2: Oh yeah, no, well, that's that's part of the course. Yes, I, and, and I, you
1: needed this is a time of national crisis when you needed the guy uh-huh. at the top to be assuaging the fears of everybody in the country, <clears throat> and right. he wasn't. And he's like, um, you know, musing about you know uh, disinfectants and kind of thinking out loud. You're like, what the? F-? Don't think out loud right now. There's no. Don't think out loud right now, and don't go after Mika right now. This is, this is serious grown-up stuff. So I don't think, and I agree that like that's not his bailiwick. That's not what what he's good at. He's good at at a cold war. You know, he's good at staring somebody in the face and not not caring. He's good at protecting his Supreme Court nominee. You know, with these nerves of steel that no Republicans <laughs> seem to have. His game is not empathetic. Um, no, you know, uh, the, in uh, whatever this is. Uh, whatever kind of ologist it is, epidemiologist, I guess. That's not his thing. And I don't think he likes Fauci. I don't like Fauci. And,
2: and, and I, Well, I, um, it, what transpired, too, is it just snowballed, and we've thrown money at the problem, and we're probably going to continue to throw money at the problem, right? I mean, because he's, yeah. he's trying to give everyone on unemployment an additional $400 a week, uh, you know, it, it doesn't help when the Senate goes on a, what, three or four week recess in the middle of this. I mean, that's a horrible look for them. And uh, I also think that we're going to see the $1,200 checks going out. I would. No, assume, but the Senate has their own the, version uh, of their own bill and the
1: House has their own version of their own bill. And don't they usually go on recess? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't care. I mean, I don't, I'm not in love with the Republican
2: Senate. I, I But I mean, it's just a bad look. I mean, people people that actually do need help aren't able to receive help. Because the Senate's on recess, it, the, the optics aren't good. But yeah, but that's not true. I mean, it,
1: Polo- much Pol- as he Pol- Pelosi could could vote on the Senate version of the bill in a, in a second, or Congress right. can appropriate the money that Trump wants to spend. It, the problem is that both both sides are playing politics. She's got a pork laden
2: bill, oh, and with that, without question, oh yeah. no, I mean, if you're on unemployment, you know, three hundred or four hundred dollars additional a week is better than nothing. She's looking for six hundred. And that's all well and good, but the person that's having trouble, you know, putting food on the table or paying their bills, will take the four hundred over nothing, and, right. and what he's offering. So, and even when the unemployment ran out at the end of uh, July you know the Republicans did want to push it week by week and just continue what was going on and the Democrats pushed back against that so yeah. it, it, this is the case in washington for for everything they can't agree on if yeah today is and they and they suck I, or I, what I, I,
1: right yeah and i i am I will never forget the Republicans in Congress for squandering the first two years of trump I realized that he was an odd person guy to get along with but for Christ's sakes be ready for him and the off chance that he wins this thing and you've got a majority in both houses and f- rush some frigging legislation through I mean that was pathetic but they are pathetic in Washington but so <clears throat> this Atlantic article essentially says Trump hates troops um, and that he didn't want to get his hair wet in, in during a ceremony in France Bolton and some other people named people actually refute that and say that part's not true but generally, the thing says Trump grumbles about the troops, um, or about people who fight in war. You know, they're chumps, they're little suckers and losers. The people in World War One and the the going to Vietnam was a sucker's bet. And some of that stuff, I think you could see Trump saying. And I think an entire generation, I think my people that I'm related to actually said, you know, if you go to war, war like Vietnam, you know, that that's useless. Don't go
2: to Canada. You know? so that was not bad. a popular war. I think people have revisionist history. Yeah. It was not a popular war, and the soldiers that went over there were treated poorly when they came back. They were spat on. So it wasn't like they got parades. I think, again, as time's gone on, I think the country as a whole um, feels it did a really poor job of, of taking care of, especially Vietnam veterans, uh, both in terms of medical care and, and just the way they were treated. Right. When they came back. So, yeah, I'm sure that I know there were people back then that said, why would you go to some war, you know, on the other side of the world that we're not even sure why we're fighting there? Yes. I mean, yeah. you know, obviously World War Two was popular. It was we ended up winning and there were parades and, and it was, you know, the great generation, the greatest mm-hmm. generation, which I I can push back on that as well, because a lot of the problems we have today were fostered by that great generation. Um but then, you know, obviously you have Korea was a different situation. It's almost like the middle child war. We kind of forgot about it. Right. And but- that's
1: a communist war. And, you're right. Right. And, and so was Vietnam. And But, you know, Americans didn't know what the hell or what a Vietnam was. And so right. they, this, this odd little country that, uh, you know, it's a meat grinder for our troops. It's a totally, it's a uh, guerrilla war, which is very tough. And uh, you, know, you know it's it's a tough way to lose people as well because we're you're the vastly more superior military and yada yada. But that, so that in the times and it was and people of a certain class routinely dodge the draft, including President oh, Trump. We would absolutely. say and Joe Biden yeah. and, Bill yeah. Clinton, and, and Bill Clinton and and probably people that we are related to. I mean, not you. Know, you have a brother who served. Actually, I have a brother who my, served. my
2: brother-in-law served uh, two terms in Vietnam as a tunnel rat Marine. Yeah. Which means no. the they are the front line of the Marines. So you know he's he's literally running through tunnels because he was he's short. You know, yeah. So you have to be a shorter guy to do that. I mean, talk about yeah. That uh, that can't get is all hell.
1: Yeah, hand to hand combat. Y'all, you hear about the tum- tunnel rats and what they had to go through? Imagine they, they told me I
2: actually saw him yesterday for breakfast, and he was telling me some things that you know took place when he was there. I mean, as soon as he got to Vietnam, they just drop you off the helicopter and say, <laughs> "Welcome to Vietnam." You know, there's no small process. Uh, yeah. or, or a ramp up for it. It's like here's your gun, and you know, within two minutes, there's bullets flying at them, and you're not sure who the enemy is and who your allies are. Right. So, yeah. And mean, then you bond with people who to show ball, you the way, and some ball. of those
1: guys, some of those guys die, and then suddenly you get two weeks of sick leave. And I'm sorry, right. two weeks of leave, and you you get in this big jet to another big jet, and suddenly you're shopping in the Burlington Mall like everything's normal again.
2: <laughs> he said he couldn't deal with it. it. That's why he went back for a second tour. He said. It's exactly the point you just made, Tom. He said that, uh, you know, he's fighting in a jungle and within seven days he's sitting at the dinner table with his family and he's just looking like he, he'd lost contact with them. You know, like he, he didn't right. know what their life was like, like uh, to the point where he enlisted. Right. You know, I. God bless him. I, I would have probably, <laughs> probably I would have pooped my pants 12 seconds into uh, boot camp, let alone going to Vietnam. Right. I would have. With the Paris Island and probably try to get the hell out of there. So, so, and, and stories like that
1: is why that we value veterans so much because of, you know, a lot of yes. these people sacrifice their minds, not just their bodies oh, over there. Absolutely, and, and so that's why it's, it's such a damaging and horrific thing to hear that the president would think so awfully of these folks. Now, I don't think that there's any doubt that the president loves the military. I think he loves them. I think he thinks they're cool I think uh-huh. uh, I do think that he probably thought that, that in Vietnam was a chump's war because I mean why would you why would you do that Why would you just if you're him I mean you can just say that your feet are hurt a doctor you know the family has excellent doctors as you know the doctor signs yeah. off on it and he you know goes and goes to to a good college and go he's in the big leagues in real estate in New York as a young man right and you know it's not everybody and it's not and it's not an honorable thing but it's commonplace so. I, I just don't think that this that that military folks will think that this that he really disdains him. I think that they can tell that not too much makes the guy like laugh and excited, but a jet flyby absolutely oh, does. Yeah.
2: yeah, no, I think that it moves when that happens. Um, because it's it's power, mm-hmm. it's yes. success. Now he probably looks at Vietnam. In fact I, I would bet my life on it. He looks at Vietnam as as not a success, as a loss. And he does kind of put everything into wins and losses in his life. Um, you know, there's mm-hmm. not a lot of nuance there. You know, it's kind of like a baseball team record. You win some, you lose some. And, and that's the way he looks at it. So I think he just looks at Vietnam as being a, an unsuccessful war. And, again, um, I don't think there's any guilt there because I don't think he has that DNA no. know, in terms of guilt. I, I don't think that's part so of his So do does it stick, though?
1: Does the electorate – does this hurt him?
2: No. No, his supporters are his supporters. I talked to my brother-in-law yesterday who loves Trump. And I said, "Well, what would you think of this? He goes, I don't believe it. You know, mm-hmm. so I don't I don't think he's not going to change his vote. I mean, there'll be some people that change their vote. I just look at this whole election, though, Shattuck, is, you know, the people that voted for him in 2016, is every single one of those people going to vote for him on November 3rd? I, don't I think know.
1: so, Sap. At this point, percent. If, if, if we, we talked 100%. a month ago, I would say, he, well, I would say that he's lost suburban women. I don't, I don't know. You see what's happening in the streets right now, and right. it's not just you know the crappy sections of Minneapolis now. It's the nice sections of Manhattan and right. nice sections around Portland in neighborhoods in Seattle, and I think the same women who were looked at the ISIS attacks four years ago in San Bernardino, yep. whatever. Or look at this and say uh, we need somebody who's who's not for this even though it is happening under Trump's watch technically you know he's the federal government he's not the state and local government so I think it, it just it doesn't look good for the party uh, I don't know I think it's possible for and here's the other here's the other thing where I think it's possible for him to do better is that the other side maybe actually this isn't growing them but so so here's a case. This isn't growing the party. So that's suburban women. I think the people in the Rust Belt, he knows that Trump's with him. He's their mm-hmm. kind of guy. And Biden wants to destroy, get rid of fracking. And Biden's um, you know, sometime embracement of parts of the Green New Deal, um, it, it, there's, there's just buzzword, buzz, buzzwords in Biden's platform that people in the Midwest will hear and say, no, I'm, I'm out for that. Right. I think people yeah. want to get rid of the crazy. And they think that, that getting rid of Trump might do that. And so you could have some people there, but those same people who wanted to get rid of the crazy, you know, eight months ago, now are at it seeing a new crazy, and I think the old crazy looks per- perfectly palatable. So for there's also voters, and this is like people who are like minded with me, got people who I would text, etc., who have seen the way the media has acted for the last four years, and the way people like Jimmy, not Jimmy, Jimmy, whatever the other one is, and Colbert, and all of these. You know, the, the stars of the day act and they've all been behaving and and in uh, these punks in the streets, uh, throwing stuff at cops, etc. And like, the, I think there's a faction of people who said, who would say, you know what, Trump is unpresidential. Um, He day to day, he raises my anxiety because he's a jerk on Twitter and he's just he's a scatterbrained and doesn't even know what the hell he's doing. That said, before all this crap went down in January, the the country was moving along perfectly, and also, this uh, the other side's been so damn horrific and been such jerks, and I'm talking about mostly media people and celebrities, etc. That this is another way, just like 2016, I can say go to hell. And for some people, I think there's there's they're, they're going to say that and say, you know what, you've been such a holes now for four and a half years that screw you, deal with it. We're putting in well, this jerk again, who we all agree is a jerk, because you've been just bigger jerks.
2: Well, I've, I've always felt that the Democrats have handled this wrong. Um, you can't attack every single tweet of his and his grammatical errors and all of these types of things, because it starts to fall on deaf ears. Pick your spots. you know. Pick your spots when he does or says something that is a problem, attack. But not every little thing it's almost like a child that gets browbeaten by their parents after a while it just doesn't work anymore you know so that when they actually go do something really wrong they're going to tune out the parents and and the parents in that case have the right to you know correct the child or discipline the child uh and i think the democrats have done that where just like every single tweet of his they react to um you know whereas you got to pick your spots i also feel it's a great point shatter because if you go back to even 2004 and, and people think that you know the 2016 was you know the most toxic toxic election ever. Well, 2004 wasn't very pretty either between uh, President Bush and, and John Kerry. And and if you remember, about two or three weeks before um, that election, uh, was it Fahrenheit 911 that came out? Yes. It, okay. And and that ended up hurting Kerry more than helping him. Um, and a lot of the celebrities, whether it be Sean Penn and whoever else, you know, were, were buying billboards to make sure to vote for Kerry. And and again, the average American citizen looks at that and says, nah, I, I don't want to be told what to do by perceived elitist. And and that becomes a problem. It's the same thing that happened to Hillary Clinton in 2016. Um, instead of campaigning in Wisconsin, she had this huge event in Pennsylvania the night before, or two nights before the election with Jay-Z and Beyonce. Right. Does that really sell to, you know, to people in Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania who are trying to make, make ends meet? You know, that, that doesn't really you, you sell to a that. Great
1: point, you make a great point, Seth. You make a great point. And when you talk about 2004 Fahrenheit 9-11, I mean, you didn't have to like Bush. And you could think he was stupid, and he was certainly inarticulate. Like, he and Trump are right. the most two inarticulate people I've, I've, I've ever seen, public people. To suggest that he didn't give a damn and that he's really just out golfing, right? You know, that was like that doesn't ring true to even critics of him. He obviously was a guy who was concerned, and and so that's like and to me that's kind of like this hit on Trump with the military. You can say that he hasn't learned on the job, that he's his behavior is bad, and that he's got no depth of knowledge. He's unfocused. He's, you know, he's brutish. You can you can say all these things that are that are accurate. Right. But to say that he's a monster who has no respect for his military, it's like that's that doesn't seem right. That's not a good hit on him. There's plenty of good yeah. hits on him and if you wanted to say his handling of COVID was was is uh, was um was inadequate, then that's an argument you can make and you can back it up and you can say that his that his depth of knowledge of the disease hasn't improved and that he's and and I wouldn't necessarily agree with this stuff, but those are those are things that are palpable that you can. But it always just go right to he's a monster, he's an evil right. monster. It's like back off a little bit. Like even when they did the the, the Billy Bush tape last time around. <laughs> They had him saying that, then they had a woman who flew on a plane with him and said he did just that, grabbed her by that, you know, he did just that. It was like, wow. 35
2: years before. Right. You found somebody who just did just that.
1: that. And then there was 10, suddenly like a dozen more who all immediately personified this guy. And I was like, whoa, suddenly there's a huge campaign here of Trump being not only certainly a rapist, but the most prolific sexual assaulter that I, I've ever heard about it's like, Right. That's a little too much. It's a little too, just, yeah. you, just let the Billy Bush tape stand on its own. That's enough right there. It was a vile thing to say, a vile and an odd thing to say for, especially for a guy in his sixties, like who's
2: talking like that. But well, uh, he, he could definitely talk like that, but the, this issue too is, and I think you bring up a really good point, Chadwick. is, is sometimes you win the argument by not saying more, you know, yes. just end it, you know, like this is enough. You know, um, if you, I don't know, uh, say a, a child grows up and you have the wherewithal and give them the down payment on a house, you know, you don't have to hammer it home all the time. The, the deed is, is spectacular, you know, but if you continue <laughs> to like make a point of it, at some point the kid might say, you know what, dad or mom or whatever, I don't want to hear about this anymore. You know, that, that's great that you did this and I appreciate it, but let's not bring it up to every relative and, you know, bring it up every time we were together at Thanksgiving for the next 25 years that, you know, you got to hear that, you know, I gave uh, Carol the down payment on her house. I mean, Oh God. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you've got to, you've got to pick your spots with this. Sometimes saying nothing, nothing uh, wins you the day. I I always go back to one of my favorite scenes in the Godfather part two. I remember when De Niro was just, you know, as Don Corleone, the young Don Corleone was just getting into power and his wife's friend was being evicted from an apartment because she had a dog. And then the landlord found out who you know the woman's friends were, so decided that the woman could stay. And De Niro's character never said a word. And next thing you know, the rent kept going down and down and down and down. And he didn't say <laughs> a word. He just kind of looked, and the guy just you know continued to talk, and he talked his way into going from yes. I don't know. $6 it was in Italian, a month, wasn't it? Thirty dollars. Sometimes you just don't say anything, and you win the argument. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> God, if I, yeah, actually, if I could just learn to shut up. Man, I have talked myself out of so much stuff that it was already oh, – Well, there's two
2: of us. We do that, we we both do that a lot. But that's why we're lovable.
1: I know I have a friend who's uh who's um God, they could there's something word for it, who who go on sales trips and and who will who essentially who's talks and he gets the gets the sale and he doesn't realize that that's the time to wrap it up and go. Right. And so he's no, one of those guys no, who will undo the sale, he'll unsell the sold product yep. because he sticks around. Right. Hey, so you talked about uh, SAP. Um, we, b- I, I'm a fat guy, and you before you betrayed me, uh, you were a fat guy. Now I'm you're still thin.
2: Technically a fat guy. I mean, I'm five foot nine, two hundred forty five pounds. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, that's light like Mickey Rooney. Belly.
1: That's 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 not fat. Um, so listen, uh, maybe <laughs> it's not like Mickey Rooney. He's really short, isn't he? Rooney, <laughs> Mickey Rooney's like four foot nine, <laughs> <laughs> Um. So. He- um, so what are you having to, for dinner tonight before I let you go? Uh, double pork chops. What does double mean? Does that mean two or does that two, mean?
2: Two thick, two thick pork chops. They're about an inch and a half to an inch and three quarters. They're delicious. And they will be broiled? Yes. Uh, I may get one blackened and one broiled. So the mm. blackened one has a little bit of a spice on it and it's really good. And is there a uh, sauce that comes with it? No, I just applesauce because the pork chop is so tasty with the fat. And, applesauce seems like you know. candy. I, obviously, the fat. Obviously. Oh yeah, so good. Um, and then I'll get a vegetable. They they have a nice like julian vegetable that I'll get, and I'll get a salad with that. So that'll that'll be my treat for the night.
1: You hear this, ladies and gentlemen? This is on the west coast. It's Warren Beatty. On the east coast, it's John <laughs> Sappicetti lives at a hotel, five diamond <laughs> meals every uh, yes. single night. Jeez, absolutely man I would love to uh I'd love to have your money for just a day sap for just oh, a yeah, day yeah,
2: exactly yeah
1: so <laughs> one of the places he makes his uh more than eight hundred and forty thousand dollars a year I've been told annually yes. is yes, um, is the get off my lawn podcast with Keegan and sap and his columns and uh, check them out at Lowell Sun. There'll probably be one dropping this week and you can follow him at fullpresscoverage.com there's uh, there's columns there as well and that you, that you can find his podcast there and Full Press Radio, at Full Press Radio on Twitter, um, at johnsap 25 on Twitter as well. Follow him. Sap, I really appreciate it. Now, you wait there for a second. You're going to hear our, our uh, exit music. Okay. Isn't it nice? I can't really hear it. Oh, no? Well, there we go. All right, everybody, thank you so much. Follow me at Tom Shattuck on Twitter. You can get me at Winchester uh, at gmail.com as well. And um, thanks so much for listening. Please leave a review if you don't mind and five stars. If you don't mind, if you do mind, then that's fine too. Thanks so much, everybody. We'll see you later. Have a great Labor Day. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.